If you're here, it's because you want to think seriously about your own formation as a kingdom leader. I'm Kevin Minoy, and I invite you to participate in the diverse community of Christian leaders, both anchored and reaching in the work of God. Hang on while we push deep into the crevices of leadership formation, whether as a pastor, educator, organizational leader, or business person. Let's go. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Anchored and Reaching. And I'm so excited to be chatting with you all here today. I'm here with Dr. Kevin Manoia, and he's excited too. Yes, I am. Very excited. <laughs> Good. Good. Okay. Well, today we're going to be following up on the last episode, which is all about centered versus bounded thinking. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to the podcast right before this, which talks about being centered versus being bounded, I recommend you go back and listen to it. Kevin gives an outline of what this means from a high level view, like a 30,000 foot view. And right now we're going to have a conversation about centered versus bounded and what that means for us as Christians. And really one of the big takeaways I took away from the last podcast, Kevin, was that really as Christians, we need to be known for what we're for rather than what we're against. I think you you are following the nuance well. I mean, it's very easy in our contemporary culture to set things up as polar opposites. And I want to make sure that even at the outset of this conversation, that we see this in terms of a continuum and not as an either or, uh, not a centered versus bounded or a centered not bounded. Uh, the title of the very uh, series and the title of this uh, these characteristics is we are more centered than bounded. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm not saying is that we're centered, not bounded. Uh, because there is this continuum. There's always going to be a boundary out there. We don't know, necessarily know what that is. Uh, God knows what it is, and it's really up to God to be the one who determines whether we're sort of in the circle or not. It's up to us to be pursuing what is central to God's nature and mission for our lives and for bringing the kingdom near in engaging the world. So it, what you're talking about is being known more for what we're for than what we're against. Mm-hmm. I wrote an article once a number of years ago for Christianity Today that was actually titled that very thing. You know, we need to be known more for what we are, what we're for rather than what we're against. So you've got the nuance, yes. And and establishing that clarity right up front, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's also more to it than that. And the topic of bounded versus centered. Let's take a minute and unpack those words even. I know you did it in the last podcast, yeah. but just if people are jumping in, can you explain the difference between those two just briefly? Uh, yeah, well, centered is, it's kind of, if you could picture in your mind a, a tetherball game, and you, you can't have a tetherball game if you don't have a pole, and you can't have a tetherball game if you don't have a ball on a string, rope right? It takes both of those things to have a tetherball game. And if we talk about being centered, let's imagine that that really means the pole. Um, And then you can swing that ball around with all kinds of speed and force to have a really robust tetherball game because you know the anchor or the center is secure, and now, if you want to have a tetherball game without a pole, 
Um, I'm not sure what that would look like. I mean, you'd have to, I kind of guess you'd have to be in a barrel, a giant barrel or something where the ball's not going to go away and you're going to, I don't know what it would look <laughs> like, but you'd have to create a boundary of some kind, a sphere, and you both get in the sphere and the ball's not going to, you know, squirt out somewhere. Um, you know, it's it's containing the energy from outside it's kind of the difference between an exoskeleton and an endoskeleton. You know, the exoskeleton holds the energy in from outside forces, and the endoskeleton, you know, kind of defines who we are from inside. So uh, it, what we're talking about here is being defined by what is at the core of who we are rather than by the definition of all of our political, theological, behavioral, and doctrinal positions. So I really appreciate the sports metaphor because I'm a total sports person. And I think it's helpful, even though I don't know if tetherball is really a sport. (laughs) Do you play tetherball? (laughs) You know what? I just want to There's probably going to be a gold medal somewhere. (laughs) I just want to emphasize that I don't necessarily consider consider tetherball a sport, but it was when I was a kid, you know, it was like what you go out and okay. you do. And before we know it, it'll probably be in the Olympics because pickleball is already on its way, you know? So yeah, well, yeah, the egg toss kind of went out of vogue when I grew up. <laughs> I got a gold toss. medal in egg toss. So what can I say? But I do appreciate the metaphor. It's helpful. And and just as a reminder, everyone, we're talking about our identity as Christians and our missional identity as we engage with the world around yes. us. So this, this idea of being centered to something and Yes. And, and being more centered, being more focused on what we are tied to than the boundary line that we might draw. That's the idea here. And so I think the next like logical question in people's minds is, okay, well, what am I centered to? If I'm going to be missional and I'm going out into the world around me and I'm not supposed to be as worried about these boundary lines, like you shouldn't do that or you should do that, then what is it that that keeps me centered? What am I centered to? And I think we might need to go beyond the obvious answer of like, oh, you're centered on Jesus. Like there's more practical stuff we could flesh out. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you hear the, the tension in the very question you're asking, and it's not an uncommon question, so thanks for putting words to it for a lot of people. Um, the very tension in the question is, uh, I want to know what the boundaries are of what I'm centered on. I mean, basically, that's what you're—that's what people expect. They expect some kind of a list of doctrines, a list of propositional statements, a list of behaviors, and as long as I stay true to those, then I'm centered. Well, that just—that's—I mean, that, that's the very thing we're trying to unpack here. We're trying to move away from because it becomes just another set of boundaries. So we have to understand first of all that Christian faith is not about compliance to doctrine, proposition, or theology. Uh, we have to understand that Christian faith and theology are really the story of God with us. It's it's a story, it's a narrative, it's a relational dynamic that goes from God's creation all the way to what God creates in the new heaven and the new earth. So it is not about compliance with doctrines, dogma, behaviors, or expectations. It is about walking in faith in the storyteller as we write the story of life and living. Mm-hmm. Right now, that's going to have a lot of nuances in it. And so then we ask the question, all right, what are the elements of that story? And how do we how do we pick up kind of the the storyline and the descriptors and the 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 even the secondary plots in this story? How do we embrace this story? Well, the central figure in the story clearly is God. Mm-hmm. 
right? And the central plot is making a way back to proximity with him through reconciliation, first through the Old Testament and the prophets, priests, kings, and the law, and ultimately, as Hebrews says, in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of God in flesh. So it's this story. So how do we keep those things as the central theme in the story that we are living and writing with God in our lives and in our churches? And we we do that then by looking for ways that God has expressed himself, certainly in scriptures. I mean, that's prime. Um, that the primacy of scriptures is absolutely important, but there are other ways that God's expressed himself. He's expressed himself in our conscience, in the image that he imprinted upon every human being. He's expressed himself in the written word, you know, the, uh, we, we happen to call it the Bible, and we happen to have a certain Bible that we use, other, other groups of Christians use other Bibles that have more books in them and so forth, but he, God's expressed him, God's own self in the written word, and God's expressed himself in the created word. So we see scripture as prime, we see, and then we have our own experiences, you know, we sense how God has worked in our lives, and then we look back at the historic 2,000 years of how the people of God have written this story and lived this story in that tradition, and then, you know, God gave us a brain, you know, he, he gave us reasoning powers. So we, we, we remain centered to the principles that emerge from God's expression to us in these multiple ways in writing the story of bringing people and the world back into proximity through the new heaven and the new earth, right? People who want to have a clearly defined, bold line drawn are probably going to struggle with the breadth of how God has created the kingdom, mm-hmm. because it's it's much bigger than our boxes and lines mm-hmm. and we can't we can't constrain god to live within our expectations we got to let god be god mm-hmm. and god is writing a story so let's stay true to the central themes of that story of God through Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, transforming lives through the experiences they have, through the tradition they have, through the reasonable thinking that they have, all of which uh, come under this informing primacy of Scripture. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is we're not centered on a list of doctrines or ideologies were centered on this more beautiful, broad story of God's work in the world. And we learn about that through scripture, through tradition, through wisdom, through reason. Yes. And all of those are important, scripture very much so. Um, but I think many of us can say you can't necessarily extract a list of rules from scripture as much as you can extract a relational um understanding and picture of who God is and how he's working and then attach yourself to that. So it doesn't mean you can't extract any truths from scripture or rules from scripture. Obviously all scripture is truth, but like rules from scripture, but we're not attaching ourselves to those rules, quote unquote, as we, as much as we are to the person of Jesus revealed through scripture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And probably one of the best examples of people who, who distilled principles from scripture to describe this story of God with us, 
See, probably one of the best examples of that is when we go back to the ancient creeds. You know, people often say, well, what are we? What really defines Christians? Well, probably the best thing is let's go to those creeds and let's, let's observe. What are they teaching us? Well, what they're teaching us is a distillation of many of the fundamental principles of this story, which then we add our own experiences to and our own reason to, but, but they remain true to the principles of Scripture. And so those creeds are really important to us. And then we see our, our experiences throughout, throughout the decades and centuries of living. So, yes, the principles of Scripture remain prime in helping us to understand what is the tetherball pole to which we're, uh, uh, we're tying our, our ball, our string. Mm-hmm. So let's boil this down for a second, because I think it's really important that we not, like, this is all really, really good theoretical and, like, um, just kind of ideological and umbrella for how we're supposed to approach this. But this means that as a Christian, I should be less focused on or less preoccupied with putting my vision less on a list of rules about how the world should operate and how I should engage and more on the fact that my identity is in Jesus, that he's given us all these beautiful things to follow. I think I think I might need you to get a little bit more practical on this because I, sure. I even in my own heart I'm like, well, how do I wrestle through the fact that I want to be a faithful follower of Jesus in 21st century in the 21st century world? In in the last episode, you know what I tried to do is to draw an analogy with even my daughter learning to drive. I mean, where do you fix your eyes? You, you know, you fix your eyes on the inside center of the curve, and you're drawn to it because we go where our eyes are fixed. We're drawn to where our eyes are fixed, and when we're drawn to that, to that, it will result in a disposition of our life. Mm-hmm. We will be drawn to stay close to the inside edge, to the center, and it will result in freedom. Or if we fix our eyes on the boundary, we will be drawn to that, but it's going to result in a fear of encroachment. Um, stay away from that. Stay away. Stay away. Stay away. Now that's a that's a that's a broad stroke example that I realize there are exceptions to that, and there are some there are some nuances to that uh, that that I want to account for. Well, and for example, let me let me give you a story. Um, a number of years ago, uh, I, along with uh, two colleagues, were speaking at a big pastors conference, and, and you know, I like to have Q and A. Uh, a lot of people don't like Q and A. I like you Q&A like getting put on the spot. We get a chance to chat. I do. Well, I'm not sure that that's the issue. It's that I like to engage with people. That to me is just it's it's life giving. Mm-hmm. So I have this pastor who asks the question, pops up and says, I have a question for you. And, and now, mind you, there's a, a couple of hundred pastors in the room, and, and he says, I, I, I want to know if I should allow a non-Christian drummer onto the platform of my church with my worship team. And I said, so what's the question? Well, the question is, uh, this drummer is not a Christ follower, he's not a believer. And but he's a really good drummer. So what he's looking for is he's looking for a behavioral determination as to whether that drummer is in the circle or out of the circle and in terms of usability on the platform uh, with a worship team. So my response to him is basically, I said, you know, uh, you've been ordained. 
right? And as an ordained pastor, an ordained minister who now pastors a church, you have been given in your ordination vows the authority of the church. You know, when I would ordain pastors, take authority to preach the word, right? Receive the power of the Holy Spirit to lead your people in. And so there's an authority that's given there. So you're ordained, and you're asking me to make a bounded set decision about whether a non-Christian drummer can be on your platform or not. I'm not going to ask answer your question, mm-hmm. right? Now that that sounded like it was a dodge. It sounded like it was offensive to this person. I just want to know: should I put him on the stage or shouldn't I? I said I'm not going to answer that question. You have the authority of the church. You go to your context, and you determine the rightness of that person being on your worship team as an excellent drummer who has not yet made the claim to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to answer your question. So let's get the principle there, and now you live out that principle. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you the boundary. That is a really—that's super well said and helpful, even the language of a principle— like living out a principle versus trying to look for boundaries. I think that kind of gets the heart of what we're talking about here. Like our Christian faith is full of principles that we are to attach ourselves to, but they they play out in different nuances and in different contexts. And I think a really good example of that is the Pauline epistles. For example, when you look at the the places where Paul is addressing brothers and sisters who are arguing and not living in unity, he has places like in 1 Corinthians where he urges people to be in unity without division, to be united in the same mind and the same line of thought. But then in Romans 16, 17, he's addressing the same issue. And he says, I urge you brothers to keep an eye on those who create divisions and causes for stumbling contrary to the teaching that you've learned and avoid them, which seems to be different advice. Like in one case, avoid people who are causing disagreements and in another case, fight for unity. That's different advice coming from the same person. It's all based on the principle of the kingdom of God and trying to live out that principle in different contexts. And there are some cases where the nuances lend themselves to different answers. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says you shouldn't have a Christian drummer on your stage, but there's definitely an appropriate way for a pastor to respond depending on his or her context and what even the Holy Spirit is leading in that moment based on scripture and all of that stuff. So I think that's a really helpful example and, and really helps me wrap my mind around how as Christians we need to live out this bounded versus centered kind of thinking, which is really leaning into what are the principles at play in the kingdom of God and how can I balance wisdom, tradition, reason, scripture? How can I balance these things and then make decisions based on those instead of being afraid that there's a you know something around every corner? Right, right. And there's a diversity of manifestation. In other words, as you've correctly said, the principle gives rise to different kinds of manifest, manifested behavior, which is why we call this particular series Generous engagement. So the generosity is not just generous to those who are not Christ followers. It's got to be generosity with those who think differently about how to appropriate the principles of Scripture, the principles of our faith, the principles of the story of God with us within our own context, because that pastor may have gone and said, it's the right thing for me to let this drummer on the stage for yada 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 because of the context. Others may say, "I, I need to hold back a bit. You know, and I and I want to work with that person first a little bit more. Okay, 
but let's let the principle drive our behavior, not our behavior determine our principle. Very well said. And I think that that really is the summary statement for what we're talking about here. And something that I'd really encourage everybody listening to process through in your own life I feel like that is enough for us to chew on today. I know that my mind is just spinning with how I can apply this in my own life. And I want to encourage you, everyone, this is practical stuff. So I hope that you can actually take what we're talking about, figure out how to apply it, and really wrestle through what it means in your own life because you're called to be a missional agent of redemption in the world. And that means that you have to grasp these principles and live them out. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See y'all. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.